0: Listener production.
1: Oil prices continue to march higher, creating headwinds for global stocks.
0: And Aussie shares expected to open lower on Thursday, ahead of Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe's final speech. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Thursday, the 7th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update.
1: Ryan, just reflecting on what's happened overnight, we've got oil prices seemingly establishing a new range at a higher level, uh, and stocks lower. And uh, bond yields, long and short-term interest rates moving higher.
0: Yes, Tom. We saw oil trade near nine-month highs Mm -hmm. overnight as investors continued to digest the decision by OPEC Plus leaders Saudi Arabia and Russia to extend supply curbs through the end of the year. The strategy is all about Riyadh and Moscow, aiming to drain inventories further, and that's been felt across the entire oil market. There was a further development last night. Saudi Arabia lifted official selling prices for its flagship Arab light crude to Asia, to a ten month high, that's a sign of confidence in demand. So we did see the Brent crude oil price lift by 0.6% to 90.6 US dollars a barrel. There's also expectations that we'll see a decent decline when it comes to US crude inventories when that's released tonight.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you know, to summarize all of that, and we've spoken about this before, it appears as though the expectations on the part of energy traders is that oil prices have now entered into a new trading range now that is expected to be $80 at the lower bound and it could be as high as $100 per barrel at the upper bound. So that's substantially higher than what we have seen over the course of this year. And again, as we mentioned earlier in the week, the implications for headline inflation are quite significant within that conversation. And that's part of the reason why Bond deals or long and short term interest rates are moving higher, so that was the theme overnight in the U.S. and that was uh, destabilizing for stocks. We saw U.S. markets plumb lower in early trade. For example, the S and P 500 at its worst was down by about one and a quarter percent. Finished off that level down by 07 of a percent. The Nasdaq at its worst was down one point six percent. Finished with a loss of one point one percent. This is going to be a bit of a, a troublesome thing for markets uh, to get, get their heads around. It's readjustment for oil prices.
0: Certainly a headache for policymakers as well. And adding to that, last night was stronger than expected US services sector data, which filled concerns with sticky inflation and interest rates staying higher for longer, Tom. We did see the US dollar ascend to a six-month high on the back of this data. And the Institute for Supply Management's Services index rose to 54.5 last month. That's a high since February, up from 52.7 July. So that indicates an expansion in services sector activity. It's the biggest component of the US economy. And we also saw higher new orders and businesses, more importantly, paying elevated prices, suggesting persistent inflationary pressures.
1: So it was a familiar response in terms of the sector gains under these circumstances for uh, the S&P 500, for example. Uh, With oil prices doing what they did, we had energy stocks, the most improved sub-index in the S&P 500, and uh, on the other side of the coin, the sectors that are most sensitive to consumer spending, for example, uh, that was the leading underperformer, along with technology, which uh, was feeling that move higher for long and short-term interest rates.
0: Well, there was a big development overnight, Tom, so we did see Apple shares suffered their worst decline in about a month. They were down around 4% following a report that Chinese government agencies have barred staff from using the iPhone and other foreign-branded devices at work. So, of course, the company enjoys widespread popularity in China. It's the largest international market for Apple, and that's despite rising resentment of American efforts to contain the Asian country's technology industry. So, Watch this space. Certainly, that had a big impact. Of course, Apple shares were also under pressure from rising bond yields. And we did see some of those mega caps like Tesla, Amazon.com, and Nvidia falling between 1.4% and 3.1% overnight.
1: Interestingly, on the, I suppose, more geopolitical strategic side of things, Telefonica was interesting because this is one of the largest telcos globally. It's a Spanish uh, telco. And last night, it came to light that the Saudi telecom group uh, had taken a near 10% stake in the organization and there was quite a lot of disquiet about that. Just, that's just on the heels of uh, what you mentioned in relation to, to Apple. So that kind of stood out for for me as a bit of a story and the shares finished flat. The, the commentary out of the Spanish government was, um, was muted to say the least, but a lot of discussion in um, a water cooler context.
0: Yes, and... In terms of looking at some of those geopolitical risks and defense-related companies, Lockheed Martin shares shed 4.6% after the US weapons maker trimmed the delivery outlook for its F-35 jets. But one of the other companies which will interest investors today in Australia, particularly with the recent takeover talk of Liontown Resources, is Albemarle. So Albemarle, its shares were the worst performers on the S&P 500. They slid by over 5%. And that's on the back of worries about lithium demand from top consumer China at the moment. So while there's a lot of talk about electric vehicles and and certainly the rollout of those, we have seen price cuts. We have seen increased focus from German makers when it comes to rolling out new marks. But what we have seen, of course, is worries about Chinese demand for lithium more broadly and that weighed on Arbamal shares last night. But let's just quickly reflect on what happened in Europe. Uh, markets there, generally weaker
1: in the UK. The FTSE was down 0.2%. French market down 0.8%. Uh, the German market down 0.2%. The Stock 600 index down 06 Again, a nudge higher for both long and short-term interest rates. Uh, German bunds were higher by a decent margin. But what stood out for me in the European sphere it was the um, uh, head of the Bank of England, uh, Mr. Bailey, speaking about the prospect of rate hikes perhaps being uh, coming to an end. Uh, that's interesting coming from, from the Bank of England. Not normally that explicit in relation to uh, the discussion. Of course, uh, the Bank of England raised rates by a quarter of a percent in August to five and a quarter percent. But he said that the economy has moved on from the point where it's clear that rates
0: will have to rise. You'll be interested to know, though, Tom, being of Polish descent, yes, that I know the what you're gonna say. National Bank of Poland <laughs> cut its main interest rate by 75 basis points to 6% in Warsaw overnight. It's a shock decision. We've got elections in yes. Poland is in October. That, much so much of a shock. Of course, on the back of that, that's sent the Polish zloty currency tumbling against the euro. But what they're arguing, of course, is that The decision has been made because the national bank expects inflation to return to target faster than originally expected and wait for this. In August, inflation was at 10.1%.
1: Yes, not normally the conditions that would accompany a rate cut of that magnitude. So on the local front today, Ryan, we're expecting the ASX 200 to kick off with a loss of around a half of 1%. So continuing the trend from the previous session when the index was down by around three quarters of a percent, what's going to make the difference today, do
0: you think? Well, we do get trade data today, Tom, but it is back, We're looking for July. We're going to see another surplus of about 10 billion Aussie dollars. Nothing really to move the needle on that front, but Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe, he fronts the podium for the last time at the Arnica Foundation here in Sydney, and his speech will be interesting, of course, it'll be the last one of his seven-year tenure as he hands over to Deputy Governor Michelle Bullock on the 18th of September. And while the Reserve Bank's September policy statement didn't appear too different from August, beneath it was a message that was a bit more hawkish than perhaps the market appreciates. We expect Governor Philip Lowe to provide insights into the Reserve Bank's thinking in his speech on Thursday and suggest why the risk is for further monetary policy tightening perhaps later in the year. The most hawkish line in the cash rate statement was that the economy is operating at a high level of capacity utilisation, so unless the economy slows further, the risk is that limited spare capacity would add to inflationary pressures in the economy and require the Reserve Bank to act. So we expect low to focus on the housing market, so we have seen home prices lift. We've seen listings in the last few weeks pick up quite dramatically. We've seen weak productivity, that was evident in the National Accounts GDP data yesterday and the Aussie dollar has weakened too. And of course, each of these topics pose upside risk to the inflationary outlook and by extension to the cash rate. He will also look at the outlook for the Chinese economy.
1: Well, look, it's interesting, the points that you make there, of course, Ryan, because they are all salient. But the reality is it's this valedictory speech. I mean, he is an individual, I think, that understands the value of decorum. It's an opportunity to create some Clear air for Ms Bullock to, you know, stake her claim in terms of this conversation. I, I don't know if it's really up to Dr Lowe in this conversation to, you know, get into the long grass of uh, uh, of, of too many issues around this. It'll be interesting to see what he says.
0: Well, I think that his parting message will once again be a warning on the productivity challenge that Australia faces. And said, he has said that his
1: entire tenure.
0: And the upside risk it poses to monetary policy, and that was evident in the national accounts yesterday. We saw poor productivity numbers and rising labour costs. So he has been banging on about this. That was evident in the June quarter numbers. <laughs> well, no one has listened. Perhaps not. But of course, in in, terms of policymakers, I mean, like, you know, um,
1: the government policymakers. That's
0: true. So there needs to be some reforms around this. But certainly, we did see in the national accounts there yesterday a stronger than expected quarterly number of 0.4%. And um, of course, we did see the annualized number lift to 2.1%. But broadly, it was all based on export growth. Also, we saw strong government spending. We're now in a per capita recession. Population growth was incredibly strong uh, during the quarter, up by 0.7%. So, without that population growth at the moment, Australia would be effectively in a recession. Well, Ryan, a valedictory speech from
1: a central bank governor or leader is always something to tune into. It's interesting. As to whether or not it's going to make a difference to prices today or expectations, uh, I probably wouldn't be relying on it to make risk decisions. It'll be uh, illuminating, of course. I think the gyrations of the market today will turn more around um, matters of the moment. Energy stocks will do well today, you'd think.
0: And aside from that, iron ore futures are up by 1.6% to 118.97 US dollars a tonne. So we heard from Vale yesterday, and it said the outlook for China's property sector was looking more encouraging. and Bold. It's a bold statement at the moment, but certainly that has supported iron ore prices, and we could see some of those miners up today. But bear in mind, BHP shares trade ex-dividend today and could be lower, so that could be a big weight on today's market. market.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're in that uh, window of time where uh, many organizations are going ex-dividend ahead of their payments. so. As you rightly point out, BHP will be in focus, and it will be a question of how quickly it regains its dividend. That's always a part of the equation as well. Just want to reflect quickly on the fortunes of the Aussie dollar. It's an example of a price that has moved into a lower range, uh, having been well above 64 US cents in the last week. Following the RBA decision earlier in the week, it moved lower. I was surprised it didn't get more of a boost from yesterday's better GDP figures, but 63.8 US cents as we speak right now, having been as low as 63.6 US cents earlier in the overnight session.
0: Well, certainly the iron ore price has provided some support, but we did see, of course, the US dollar pick up after those services numbers out of the United States. So the Aussie dollar will remain under pressure today and look out for Chinese trade data today. If we do continue to see weakening demand there for Chinese goods, then we'll see the yuan under pressure again, and the Aussie dollar could also be in turn under pressure.
1: Thank you very much for tuning in this morning. Have a great day.